Hey there, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of 321 Go Podcast. I'm your host today, Matt Scanlon. Uh, what follows is an interview that Clay Weldon and I did. Clay is the founder of 321 Go Project. We did this interview oh, almost a couple months ago with Jason Kalipa. I- I've waited to release this for uh, several reasons, and one of those being is that Jason's interview focuses so heavily on taking action, on you know just sending that one email, making that one phone call, walking over to that one business. It is just so action-oriented, and that's really been the theme of things we've been working on here at 321Go Project lately. So I really uh, wanted to drop this episode at this time as we begin to formulate action plans for different things. Speaking of action, those of you that just came off of our Hubster gathering in Charleston, South Carolina, walked away with a clear action plan. And one thing that I've learned from talking to a ton of gym owners, hundreds and hundreds of gym owners, is that when you take an action and expose yourself to a potential mistake, and even maybe make a mistake, but learn from it, you can sort of accelerate growth or uh, hack, for lack of a better term. You can really hack your growth. And I just love that that the way G- Jason teaches things through his AMRAP mentality is just a, such a big focus on taking action. You don't have to worry about things being perfect. Uh, don't overanalyze things. Don't get paralyzed by stuff, but just really step out there, take a chance, and learn from that action. If you're ready to begin taking action, we put together a 21-day marketing challenge for you. Uh, so if you're interested in this, if you're interested in taking the 21-day marketing challenge to build your marketing action plan for 2018, there is a link in the show notes. Click on that. Additionally, if you're ready to take action and do something to change your business, we have our hub platform, which is a super low-cost low barrier to entry, uh, education and action platform for gym owners. So any templates you need to run your business, any uh, course where you'd want to learn something, take action on the stuff that you learn, all of that is in in the hub. So check it out, 321goproject.com slash hub. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. I would like to give a big shout out to our partner for today's episode, in Body USA, they've got a promo going on for just our listeners, and they've got a landing page set up for you. So if you're interested, if you're ready to bite the bullet and get things rolling with your In Body Body Composition Scanner, there is a link in the show notes to that landing page. Uh, you can fill out the form there and get more information. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Three Two One Go Podcast. Leave us a review, and if you have any questions, if there's anybody that you want to see, if there's anything that you want me to get to on the show, by all means, shoot me an email. I I love to hear from you guys. It's Matt, M-A-T-T, at 321goproject.com. Again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hey, Jason, thanks for being with us today. Uh, I want to kick it off. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording about focus and for gym owners really kind of focusing in on what is important and getting uh, through the fluff. I think this has a lot to do with your AMRAP mentality 
that you teach. Uh, give us kind of the overview of that AMRAP mentality before we kick things off. Yeah, I mean, I think the AMRAP mentality plays a big role for, for gym owners and, and not gym owners. I mean, in a nutshell, what the AMRAP mentality is, is, is that you can't focus on everything, right? You got to really identify what you want to focus on. But then once you actually decide what you want to focus on, there's basically this process. So think about this, like all of us have done an AMRAP, right? When you're in the middle of an AMRAP, whether it be as many burpees as possible in five minutes, you're not going to stop and answer your phone. You're not going to get distracted by this over there. You're going to be present and focused on whatever you're doing, right? And you know what happened is, you know, I, I was, I had my children. I was trying to compete. I was trying to grow a business. I started saying, how am I going to do all these things and be successful at them? And ultimately what it came down to was being present and focused at each thing and not have one foot in and one foot out. I have this theory, like, are we more productive today or are we more productive 30 years ago when there was no distractions? When you're at work, you're at work. When you're at home, you're at home. Now, because of the digital age, it's been great. We could do this kind of stuff, but it uh, caused a lot of distractions. And so the whole idea of AMRAP mentality is be present and focused on whatever you want to do, right? Figure out what that focus is, work hard at it, and then switch gears. So the idea would be this morning with the kids, right? Go into the gym, work out, come to work, work, do this. And it's very segmented. And I think as an affiliate owner, it's important to segment what you're doing because what happens is everything starts to blend itself. You're at the gym all day long, right? You're kind of working out, kind of talking to members, but you're never really segmenting your day. It should be from eight to 9 a.m. I'm going to work out. After that, I'm focused on growing the business. I'm not going to sit here and jerk around. I'm going to go out there and actively build our business. And I think that's an area that a lot of owners are having trouble with because it's their passion, it's their hobby, they love it. What they need to realize is that when you walk in the doors, you're going to work because that's the place that's supposed to feed your family. You know, and, and, and that's the whole concept of AMRAP mentality is identify a few focuses, work hard at it, switch gears, and then every now and then reevaluate those focuses, right? The focuses change over time. So like, I'll give you an example. I was competing, competing, competing. I had to switch gears and go team because the business was growing too much and the family was growing too much. And then I competed on team. Then all of a sudden, Ava gets diagnosed. It was an easy decision to switch gears, right? Or to reevaluate and drop the whole competition thing in general because the business is paying the bills, the family can't do it. And so you got to make sure you, you, you only, you can only pick about three focuses. Otherwise, if you focus on too much, you don't get anything done. As you think through the day of an affiliate owner, like the average person listening to this, you walk into work and inevitably there are 10 million things that will pop up and distract you from that AMRAP. Uh, maybe think back, Jason, on when you were at one location, first starting off, putting your shoes, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of somebody listening to this that may constantly feel like this next thing popping up needs all of my attention. What are some strategies that you found early on that kind of pull you into that AMRAP and away from the things that pop up and well, I mean, I think the, 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 it's a necessity. I think that's the reality is that the reality is you have a lot of owners right now who work out more than they try and build their business. And at the end of the day, they can't do that. If you're spending more hours training than you are trying to grow out there and build your business, then you have a fundamental flaw because a, you don't need to train for four to six hours because you just don't. And you need to start working on your business because you chose to open up a business. That was your decision. Now, if you choose to be a coach and you coach three hours a day and then the rest of your time, you want to work out, go ahead, do whatever you want. But as soon as you decide to open up a business, you have an obligation to your members and your staff to make sure that you're doing everything you can to grow that business. And working out four to six hours a day 
is not taking the best direction to grow that business. And you could say, oh, if I go to regionals, it'll promote us. No, it won't. You know, it, it just won't. It, it, at the end of the day, you'll get more bang for your buck walking over to Starbucks and talking to people about your business than you would training four hours a day and trying to go to regionals so that you get one Instagram post about who your gym is. It, it, and that's really important. And so the reality is the Amrit mentality became for me a necessity, right? It wasn't a nice to have, it had to have because I wanted to be able to train. I wanted to be able to grow the business. I wanted to also be able to be a good father and husband. And that's how it came to be. And that's what I would recommend for people. So um, how, so some people are, are kind of just wired like that. And obviously you are switch gears, go to that next thing. How does someone build that habit of just switching gears from saying like, because what happens is when gym owners are like maybe in a financial hole or they're not having enough members, even when they're working out, they can't help but think, oh man, I know I'm working out, but their mind is on, okay, I'm underwater or whatever it may be. How do you build a habit to kind of switch gears? And then second of all, like when they do switch gears, a lot of these gym owners, like they may, okay, I've got an hour to work on my business. They don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So how do you prioritize that? So it's really, I mean, I think the first step is, is that you gotta, you gotta start a timer, right? For years, I called the gotta go program. You could talk to Miranda, Garrett and others. When we would train, I'd come into the gym, boom, I'd turn on the clock, right? Now, as most of us know, those clocks end at 90 minutes, right? I gave myself 60 minutes. As soon as that clock started, boom, we're, we're on. And when that clock ended, we're done. And what that was for me is it was a mental recharge to say, hey, look, from zero to 60, I'm 100% focused on training because I know that if I, um, if I, this will actually benefit me for everything else I'm doing today because it allows me to focus on other things because I feel exhausted. I feel good. I feel like I got in my training. But so the first step I would say is walk in the gym, turn on a clock and go, right? Don't, don't dilly-dally. How often do you see people, you know, knee sleeves, this and that, they sit there for 30 minutes, they, they, they ban distract for an hour, and then all of a sudden they get into it. And what I would say is, you know, make the most out of your time. And, and the best way to do that is by going against the clock. And so I turn on a clock and hold yourself accountable to that. Now, in regards to getting outside, what I would also do is I would have that exact same focus, whether you're exercising or you're focused on your business. So the first step is you got to start asking yourself, where are my holes? Where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Do we need to hire new people? Or do we need to um, improve the current operation. What's, what's going on? And I think that's a big question, right? Is, is, you know, if sales, your problem, right? Let's just say if sales, your problem, well, then you need to go out there and actively start pursuing more sales. And how are you going to do that? Well, you can hit the pavement, go door to door, hand out flyers. Um, you know, you can create a marketing strategy through social or otherwise. But I think what you do is you segment your day and you say, Hey, for this hour, I'm going to go out there and do this, which is going to benefit the business this way. And you pre it's just the exact same thing like training, right? So if you're training, you say, hey, I'm going to do heavy back squats, this, 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 because I, I believe I have a deficiency in strength in my lower body, right? You'll do the exact same thing. You evaluate your business. You ask yourself where are areas of improvement, and you go out there and you go pursue them. It's no different. You had mentioned that a business owner would be better served by knocking off training for four to six hours a day and maybe pop over to Starbucks and start talking to people about their business. What are some of the top two or three things, both internally and externally, that you think a business owner would be better served to do during their AMRAPs? I mean, obviously, I think, you know, hitting the pavement will be good. I think sitting down there and just having a real open and honest conversation with themselves about where the business is suffering and where they want to go. You know, what are my goals? What are my aspirations? You know, I mean, I opened this thing up as a hobby, but now I look at it 
and um, you know, my purse, I'm personally guaranteeing a lease, right? And we're one year into this thing, so we're, we're not a mature business, but we're kind of, you know, you've been into it for a year and we're not sustainable yet. So what things can I do? And I think there's a few things, right? Obviously hitting the payment and growing memberships is one. Diversifying your offering, right? If you're just offering one form of fitness, you are catering to one form of demographic. Should you, should you, you know, grow that, right? That's, that's an option. Um, is my branding to, um, is the messaging and the, the branding and who I am coming off too offensive, right? What's the feedback that people are giving me? You know, if on the outside of our building, it says, you know, you know, F you fitness, right? Um, there's a certain demographic that will be, that will be, a, uh, you know, attracted to that. But I would say more times than not, uh, they would not be attracted, right? There's a reason why vanilla and chocolate are, you know, favorite flavors of most people because they're, they're neutral, they're simple, they're great. But if you start talking about, you know, peanut butter flavor, which is my favorite, right? It's going to attract a certain demographic, but you're going to then polarize the rest of the demographic. I don't know how I brought up ice cream in that conversation, but it sounded appropriate. <laughs> Doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> uh, Jason, I want to kind of switch gears from this AMRAP mentality and, and talking about productivity and talk about corporate programs. Uh, I think it's safe to say that you've become known in our industry as the sort of corporate wellness corporate gym guy and a lot of gym owners look up to you and think like that's where I need to go uh, without maybe necessarily knowing the groundwork that it took you to actually become this corporate guy uh, give us a little bit of an idea of what that actually looks like on the ground yeah I mean you know I'd say out of most of the things that I get hit up about it's about corporate and I just think people are missing the boat they don't understand um, you know they, they, you can't go out there and go do that until you have a profitable, successful business. I mean, if your business is losing five, $10,000 a month, you know, you shouldn't be distracted and trying to go get a new corporate account. You might want to go over there and try and get members to come into your gym, of course, right? I'm not saying that, but you need to be focused on what the fundamental problem is in your business, right? Is it your coaching? Is it this? Is it that? Because you can get all the corporate accounts in the world, but if you already, if your home isn't clean, it's going to be challenging to, to pursue that. Um, you know, basically the way that we started with corporate wellness was, I don't know, maybe like seven years ago, six years ago, there's this company called CH Reynolds and they had 50 employees. What I did is I went over there twice a week at 6 a.m. and I would bring kettlebells, wall balls, and we would just, you know, work with the employees. I got connected to them through a current member. So the best way to get connected is through your current membership, right? So I went over there and I started doing these classes and we started to see phenomenal participation. And the reality was I said, well, if we have great relationships being developed in the gym, what better way to develop relationships in the corporate setting? So I started there and we've kind of grown since then. But what I would recommend is that, you know, the corporate thing can be phenomenal, right? It, it, it can, and we've, we've proven that, but it could also be a, a challenge to a business that's not already, you know, you, you know, it's kind of like that grass always greener thing, right? If you start pursuing something else, but your current operation isn't there, you got to start focusing on that first. And I almost look at it like programming. You know, a lot of people, they want to blame the programming for why the results aren't exactly where they're at, right? And when in reality, you guys start thinking, you know, are you sleeping well? You're eating well? Are you training hard? Are you doing this? Programming aside, that's a way that they could easily just name something that um, is not directly reflected on their own hard work, right? Same thing could be said about corporate. Corporate is kind of like programming, right? It could be, if, if, you're, if your current programming is getting your results and you're doing a great job in your gym, right? Then, then pursue the next level, right? But, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that 
a gym owner who's not doing very well may say, hey, the answer to my problem is to go out there and go get this. But in reality, the answer to their problem is they need to make sure this is working well before they can even pursue anything else. Jason, would it be safe to say that at, during that time, six or seven years ago, when you went over there with the kettlebells and wall balls, started having these employees do these workouts, were you not needed as much in the day-to-day operations? Were, thing kind of, were things on autopilot to allow you to pull yourself yeah. away from the business and do that? I mean, I wouldn't say autopilot because, I mean, even today we're, we're in the gyms every day. But what I would say is that, um, yeah, you can't, you can't um, you know, it's all back to focus, right? I mean, if you have one location that is not doing well, you need to put all your focus and energy into that location. All of a sudden, if you start taking yourself away from that business and going down to a corporate site to go, you know, get $200 an hour, whatever it is, um, that could be a detrimental effect to your current operation, which brings me into, you know, opening up a second operation, you know? A lot of people, they'll have an operation that's doing okay, tops, and then they're going to open up another one. You know, we feel like we open up locations if um, we have key talent that needs opportunity or, you know, we're bursting at the seams at all of our locations and it's time to expand. But, you know, you really got to ask yourself before you open up another location, have we truly optimized our current footprint? Because I can't tell you how many people we've seen that have opened up second gyms. They've then taken this one thing that was good and separated into two things that were okay versus, you know what I mean? And I think that the question needs to be, is your schedule optimized? Do you have the most amount of um, members in that particular location that you can get? On a quick side note, how important are systems when you open up a second location? Well, I mean, tremendous, right? I mean, I didn't know that early on, but the more locations we open, the more we realize that systems and processes and all that stuff are critical. I mean, it's, it's the backbone to how you're doing it. And, and I think, you know, you don't have to have them to open up a second one or a third one as long as you could be tightly, clo- um, tightly involved with it. But as soon as you start getting bigger and bigger, the systems and processes are critical. I wish we had done a lot more earlier on, especially now in the game, right? Things are a lot different today than they were back in 2006, 7, 8. I'm going to move my seat. All right. You can't sit down any longer. Uh, no, I just I, – no, I wanted to bring – I wanted to – I'm coming into the office. I don't bother the, the rest of the team there. Uh, I'm, I'm in our office right now. We have um, big outdoor space and then we have a conference room. So I'm going into our conference room. Excellent. All right. If you don't mind me asking, what do you use for your systems? Do you use software? Is it written down or? Um, so we use you know a little bit of everything, right? So we have, we use Google Docs for some stuff like for programming and session plans to distribute globally. We just released our own app. So that's pretty cool. We do that for our members to communicate with them. I think that's the future of what we need to do primarily because, you know, back in the day was the blog, but now, you know, then social media, but I think they're getting hit up too much between email, social media, the blog. So we believe the app is the way to go. Good way to communicate back and forth. And um, then a lot of other stuff is all paperwork. So now, you know, when a new hire comes on, it's the new hire package, it's the org chart, it's the, you know, culture deck. It's, it's all that stuff, right? It's the, it's all the things that we didn't have back in the day, but that you need to have, if you want to, you know, run a successful business with multiple locations. You mentioned a few things that uh, for the gym owners, sort of uh, a list to check off when they think about a multiple location, like an optimized schedule, bursting at the seams. What are, what is kind of a a quick little self-evaluation that, that, gym owners can give themselves right now when if they may be thinking about that second location yeah i mean i would ask yourself some very simple baseline questions how many classes we offer a day right uh 
how many people can fit in those classes, right? How many square feet do we have? Um, how do we optimize the current schedule? I mean, how do we optimize the current schedule? How do we diversify the offering to have the most amount of members possible in that given, in that given square footage? You know, for us, and this is just a, a rule of thumb. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a rule of thumb, but it's, it's what we've seen. You can get to about 100 members active per 1,000 square feet. I'd say that's about, or more, or more. So if you have 3,000 square feet and you have 100 members and you think you're bursting at the seams, you're probably not, right? Because we have locations that are three, four, five that have 300, 400, 500 members, right? And I think you can even do more than that, by the way. I'm just saying as a, you know, in general, there's something to be said about having, you know, eight to 12 classes a day, right? Assuming you can grow into them, right? Some 30 minutes, some an hour, et cetera. But I think all of those things just give people more opportunities to come in your gym. Because what we see as a problem is, let's just say you have 2,000 square feet and your rent is $4,000 a month, let's just say, right? What we say is that with a barbell in hand, assuming you're not using small barbells, you can have one person per every 100 square feet so your max capacity in a 2,000 square foot location is 20 people, let's just say, right, hypothetically. Now, if you only have four classes a day, right, that's going to be 80 people. Um, that's 80 people a day, right? You multiply it out over your total class schedule, right? So let's just say you have five, you know, X amount of classes for the week, and then on Saturday and Sunday, you only have one class. Well, now you're talking about, let's just say, max total members that can come in, I don't know, uh, 500, let's just say, right? You divide that by your average utilization. And so each person has different average utilization, you know, whether it be 3.2, 2.5, you would need to identify that for yourself. Once you divide that out, it gives you your max occupancy given your current schedule. Well, if you break down the numbers and let's just say the most members you can accommodate given that class schedule is 140. Well, if you're charging a hundred dollars a month, let's just say, right? Are you going to be able to pay your bills given that structure is an easy way to do it. Now, how do you optimize that? You increase class schedule, you optimize, you, and you, you know, et cetera. Mm. Uh, Jason, circling back around to the, to the corporate thing, you made a good point that it should be sort of the next iteration of your business. It's not, if you're struggling to get members just to fill your classes, it should not be a lifeboat or, or life jacket, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how long before, you know, how long from when you started going down there doing these free workouts at six in the morning till you actually had that first corporate deal? I mean, well, I mean, you know, some would call that the first corporate deal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a way that you could have, if you have a trainer who has excess time and you're able to create a relationship and have someone go over there and get paid X amount of dollars to go coach a class, you know, you might be able to convert one, two, three, maybe five of those people to come over as regular members. It could be a good opportunity, right? Um, you can go over there and, and pitch the HR on who you are and what's going on. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but you need to have the bandwidth. Now, if you really want to open up full-blown locations, right, that's a whole different beast, right? Because then it goes back into the whole thing of, um, you know, it, it took us a while to open up those type of things, right? Full-blown, on-site, service it like a regular, um, you know, like one of our locations. It takes a while to develop that. But you, to get your feet wet, you just create relationships, and there's multiple ways. You can go over there and create a relationship. Go give a talk to the company. Let them know who you are, what you do, everything. Maybe you get one member from it. Maybe you go out there and you do a free workout of the day uh, once a month. Boom. Maybe you get a few more members. There's nothing wrong with engaging with these people. But as soon as you start um, servicing them on a regular basis at their location, it takes away bandwidth from your current location. That's all I'm saying. 
one thing that I hear from a lot of, of gym owners attempting to do this is they get hung up on the on a lot of minutia, right? So they, they, they come up against the barrier of how do I price this thing? They come up against the barrier of what should the email say that I send to the person or what should I do for the presentation? Like very minor things tend to get people stalled out in this process. What would you say to the people that have those types of questions? I mean, I get these emails every day. Hey, what do you say to this person? It's like, dude, just go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel like you're ready for it, go out there. Your email is never going to be perfect. Your delivery is never going to be perfect, right? But a lot of people are always, they're afraid to just commit and do it, right? So what I would say to business owners is if you have a business that's doing pretty well and you want to grow it, then you need to make a commitment in your head to grow it and go out there and pursue it. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit if your email might have the wrong, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Or, or, or maybe not Mr. Or Mrs. That's a bad example. But like, you know, like, you know what I mean? I just think people, again, it's an escape goat. They're like, oh, I don't know how to reach out to them. Well, it's like, hey, the first step is you send them an email, right? And I just think that once a business owner makes a conscious decision to grow their business, they need to pursue that, right? Like my wife and I had a long conversation. And we said, hey, look, we have two options right now. We can continue with the business the way it is, right? Which is going great. Or we could actively decide to grow this business and to pursue what we want to pursue. And we chose to do that, right? And so now everything that I do has to be in line with that growth, right? Why do we want to grow though? We need to have a strong internal why for it. And for me, the why has never been stronger, right? Because I want to do what I love for a living. I want to provide that to as many coaches as I can, right? They're going to help as many people as possible, lose as much weight or gain the results they want. And then guess what? With that greater community, we can then help an even greater community through blood drives, charity, this, that. And that's my internal why, right? The bigger we get, the more we can bring it back into the uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Now, if the owner has a strong why of why they want to grow, what they want to do, then they're not going to have a problem sending out an email. But if they're, you know, kind of fidgety, that's the problem. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but Jason, I know you're really passionate about this and you obviously because of how much your business has grown, but how important is it for people to be super clear on what their goals are and why they're doing it? And I know it's, I know that's a loaded question, but a lot of gym owners are like, yeah, we want to grow. And they're like, okay, what are your goals for this year? Yeah. I know. Oh man, I want to get to 150,000 or whatever it may be. Like, how do you, how important is that? Well, I mean, I'm going to give you an example that relates to everybody who's probably listening. Is it looking like competition, right? You have someone who comes into your gym. This is an easy way to analyze it. You have someone who comes in your gym. They've been maybe exercising regularly and they say to you, Hey, I want to go across the games this year. Right. And we're going to say to them is, okay, that's probably not going to happen, but we'll give you this path to get there. Right. A business owner who says, Hey, I want to grow my business from a hundred grand to a million in the year you would probably say the same thing, but there is a path that they could follow. And it depends on them putting the work to get there, right? And the reality of the situation is when it comes to setting goals, you have a strong internal why, right? And you don't know why you're doing it and for what reason. You know, you're looking at competition. I've competed in many games, right? Where your internal why will be questioned, right? Why are you doing this? You know, I remember this one time I'm running in Camp Pendleton. I just was like, gee, why am I even doing this? Like, I'm in so much pain, whatever. But the reason why I continued is because I made a commitment to myself, my family to do this. I wanted to test my fitness and see where I was at. And I think for a business owner, they got to start asking themselves, you know, why are we doing this? Is it because it's a hobby and I love to work out? 
or is it because I want to provide for my family or is it because I want to make a change in the world? They need to have this strong internal why because eventually it will get tested. Mm -hmm. It's like a competitor. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of these guys who are, they want to go to regionals, want to go to regionals. They go to regionals. They want to go to the games, want to go to the games. But they realize over time that, hey, it's not as easy as just, you know, doing whatever. It's not as easy as what social media may show you, right? You got to put in a lot of grit, a lot of time. So I would say for owners, they need to have realistic expectations, but they need to start today on what those goals are. And they really need to sit down and be like, hey, look, I chose to start a business. Look at all this risk and liability I have. But no one ever thinks that way, right? They had five friends, they're at the bar, they each put in five grand, and all of a sudden they have five owners. But those five owners, what they don't realize is that they have all the risk and liability between them. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's challenging. Uh, Jason, you mentioned uh, right before we started that the landscape is kind of changing for the gym owner. You said, you know, you even mentioned, you're like, hey, I'm talking to people where like gyms are closing down. And, and I think there was a time where we felt the, you know, the affiliate was almost immune to this idea of four out of five small businesses shutting down within five years. You know, it's, I think we all see that the landscape is changing a little bit. Do you have any sort of comments? You see why this is happening or any um, suggestions for the people that may be struggling on this front? Yeah. Are you guys there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I see it on a daily basis, right? Um, You know, a lot of people got into it because they wanted to have a hobby these three-year, two-year, five-year leases are starting to come up, right? I talked to a gym yesterday, right? Five-year lease is coming up, and they have a decision to make, you know? Um, do they want to continue? And You know, I, I don't think that we're unlike any other small business, right? What I do think, though, the biggest problem with the current affiliate model is very low barrier to entry, very high learning curve. That's the problem is the barrier to entry is so low. I could start, I mean, shoot, I started my gym with, you know, 5,000 bucks, right? So the barrier to entry was super low, which is great. And it gave a ton of opportunities for some people. But what it doesn't do, unlike opening up a conventional gym, right? Where you need a million dollars to open it. It doesn't require someone to create a business plan. It doesn't require someone to really fully think about what they want to do. It's easy for them to open one. And so they could do it. What they don't realize is that over time, when they're not making any money, this passion they have turns into resentment and that resentment then turns into a, they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is the first thing that person needs to do is reevaluate, you know, should they have opened the gym in the first place? And if not, then find some good people to surround themselves with that could help in areas they're not good at. You know, you got to ask yourself, you know, if you own a gym right now, you got to ask yourself, how am I going to win? You know, how is my gym better than the one down the street? And if you can't answer that, then you have a fundamental problem and you got to figure out a way to solve that problem, right? Whether it's bringing in new coaches, it's bringing in this, it's bringing in that. You got to have a reason why you should win, right? That's, that's the bottom line. Awesome. Um, Jason, I kind of want to maybe wrap things up here uh, talking about just next steps. Like we said before, if we just do some super actionable things for our, for the people that are watching this right now. So uh, you know, whether it pertains to multiple locations, the uh, corporate deals, and or even just like our own productivity as business owners, what are, if you know, you kind of think back, what are kind of those first steps that you took from, hey, I'm a dude with five grand that likes to work out, I'm going to open a business, to that conversation you had with your wife, do we really want to sit, grow this thing and pursue it? What are those first steps that you took that you think uh, the people watching this can take away? 
I mean, I think the first step is to ask yourself, am I in this for business or am I in this as a hobby? And if you're in it as a hobby, it could be a very expensive hobby, right? And what you need to do is take a step back and evaluate why are you in it as a hobby, right? Um, once you decide you're in this for business, you want to do what you love for a living, which I'm all about, right? Then you got to start having a hard look at yourself. You know, why is the business not doing well? Am I an asshole? Um, you know, are we treating people wrong? Is the gym not clean? Is the branding not on point? You know, the industry shifted a lot. 10 years ago, it was fine to be in a grungy warehouse because you were attracting a demographic that was, this, that was desiring it. Now, CrossFit or functional fitness game became a little bit more mainstream, right? In a sense, more people are aware of it. So there's more people coming off the street who weren't that traditional CrossFit person 10 years ago. And they have more options to choose from, right? In a surrounding area, there's 160 affiliates within like a 20-mile radius of me, right? Or whatever it is. So unless you're rising the tide of your gym, it's going to be challenging. And so I think what they need to ask themselves is, hey, gone are the days of grungy warehouse gyms providing a sustainable living for a lot of people. If you want that, that's fine. But you're probably going to get 100 members, and that's cool. But if you desire to do more and you want to create more sustainability for your family, you need to uh, evaluate your offerings, right? Have we, have we targeted just a small segment of the population or can we grow that segment by diversifying your offerings, right? That, that's first question, right? Should we diversify from just traditional barbell CrossFit to something different? And then secondly, you know, is, is, is our gym depicting what it wants and, and, and are we the cream in our area or the whole concept of, you know, when you're an affiliate and everybody has similar names attached to it, you seem to be aware that one person's bad experience down the road may impact their experience of what they think about your business. And so you just got to think, you know, what does the branding look like? What is this, that, that's the tangible items, right? Is the tangible items are really doing a self-evaluation of the status of your business. And being honest and open with the fact that not everybody loves what you love. Not everybody is about, you know, hardcore, you know, metal music with your shirt off doing different things like that. Right. And if you want to grow your business, you need to be okay with that. Not necessarily soften your product, but make it more accessible to people. I think is the key. Jason, I think that's great, man. It's an awesome place to, to leave it. So, uh, there'll be a time now, uh, during this, so people can ask you some questions about anything in particular. Uh, Clay, anything to wrap up with? Yeah, no, for me, I'm, uh, I'm just a big believer, even with our business, is just learning from your mistakes. And sometimes as we grow the business, there's these points where we're like, wow, man, I wish I would have done that differently. Looking back, what's one thing that like you can share with gym owners that you, would have, that you made, it was a failure, but you used it to turn into a success? I mean, I would just say lack of professionalism, right? Too many bro deals, right? Too many, oh, you know, clean the gym once a week and I'll give you a free and, and um, give him better feedback and more guidance and direction. I think we could have kept certain people on the team. And I think we would have given better trajectory for others on the team. Love it. Love it. Those are great points. Mm -hmm. Cool. Good awesome. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, uh, thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in and for your continued support of 321 Go Podcast. If you would like to support the people that support this show, head over to the show notes now and click on the appropriate links. 
If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you know that it's time that you need to take some action on changing your business, I would strongly encourage you to check out our hub platform, 321goproject.com slash hub. It is only $69 a month and inside the hub is everything you need to run a business from business templates to marketing courses and everything in between. All that information is there in the hub. If you are a member of the hub and you want a little bit more additional accountability, check out one of our M3 groups. That's a Momentum Mastermind group. It is you and four or five other like-minded gym owners uh, just ready to crush it and keep each other accountable. Uh, 321goproject.com slash M3. Additionally, if you have not yet, please subscribe to this show and leave us a review on iTunes. That is how people find us, and that's how we continue to grow and bring on more guests. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.